the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Disciples Pathway Ministries. Welcome to Disciples Pathway Ministries, a mobile ministry with Minister Robbie E. Lilly. Disciples Pathway Ministry is a mobile ministry advancing the kingdom of God so that no one is left behind when Jesus Christ, our King of Kings, returns for His great church. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affliction and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Finally, brethren, rejoice for and aim for restoration. Comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Father, how we thank you and we praise you for your tender mercies today, for your grace and for your loving kindness, for the power and the might of your majesty. Thank you, Father God, for allowing us to come this hour into your presence, O Heavenly Father. We thank you for your tender, loving kindness, your steadfast love, Father God, and we pray that the word that is going forth today will be pleasing, first of all, in your sight and that it will jointly fit us together as a family, Lord God. Wrap us and bind us in the cord of love, Father God, as we walk worthy of the calling wherein we've been called. Thank you for being a friend, Father God, that's sticking closer than a brother. Help us, Lord God, to look to the needs of others as you have looked to our needs today, Father God. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We glorify you. We ask, Lord God, that the hearers' hearts would be receptive to the word of truth today. We pray that their spiritual ears would be open to hear what the Spirit is saying today. We pray that the eyes of their understandings be enlightened, Father God. Oh, Lord, that your word return not to your void, but it will prosper in the hearts and the minds and the souls for where it is sent today. We thank you. We praise you. We glorify you. As it is written, so let it be done. Joyous, beautiful Sunday afternoon, family. We absolutely love you guys. We pray that all is well with you all. We just glad to be here with you all today. Pastor Bell. Is here today. I got caught up, y'all. It it takes a minute to come back and minister Dion. So thank you guys for tuning in, and and you guys be blessed with the word today. Let me thank you for this opportunity to share with you all once again. I'm grateful to both you, Minister uh, Lily and Minister Dion, for affording me this privilege to come and share with you all. I mentioned some time ago that I'm just grateful that God opens doors for me to share my feeble knowledge of the Word of God with the people of God. Uh, One thing that has been an inspiration in my life is a poem that I read some years ago, and I've adopted it as it relates to my life by Benjamin Elijah Mays. And in that poem, he simply says, I only have a minute, 60 seconds in it, Mm -hmm. thrust upon me. I can't refuse it. I didn't seek it, and I didn't choose it, but it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it, give an account if I abuse it, a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. And so I try to take advantage of each of the minutes that God has afforded me while I'm here on planet Earth. And I mention to people all the time that many of us should live our lives the way Shakespeare has adopted, 
that when it's our opportunity to present our portion of the play in life, we act out that portion on the stage of life, and then eventually we will have to exit the stage left. And so while God has given me the opportunity to be on the stage of life, I try to do what will be pleasing in his sight so that I can be a blessing to someone else as I travel along this way. And so I'm grateful to both of you for allowing me this opportunity to come and share with you today. So enough of that from me. Uh, I tell people all the time when uh, Pastor Bill, how can we introduce you? And I, one preacher used to always say that if a man needs an introduction, he doesn't deserve one. And if he deserves <laughs> one, he doesn't need one. And so the more time you spend talking about me, the less time we have talking about God. Amen. So I want to share with us today as we have allowed this opportunity for us to share about when a man loves. In Paul's letter to the churches at Ephesus in chapter 5, the Apostle Paul gives us this uh, picture, if you will, mm-hmm. of Christ and the church and of a man and a woman, a husband and wife. And so Paul, when he writes this letter to the churches at Ephesus, he is trying to get them to understand that the relationship between Christ and the church is similar to the relationship between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. And so in Ephesians chapter 5, commencing at verse number 25 through verse number 33, long before Percy Sledge or in my generation, Michael Bolton ever sang that song, When a Man Loves a Woman, God had already given man instructions on how he ought to love the mate, the help meet that he had given him. Mm-hmm. And I suggested to you when we first began this journey that God did two things for Adam before he ever gave him Eve. He first established his relationship with God, and then he gave him a job. And so I encourage every man, before you can properly move in the direction that God wants you to go, you have to establish your relationship with God first. And then that thing that God has gifted us with, that passion that we desire, do that thing to the glory and honor of God. Yeah. So in that passage in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul commands a husband to love his wife three times. In verse 25, he says, husbands, love your wives. He repeats it again in verse number 28, husbands, love your wives. And then he repeats it again in verse number 33, husbands, love your wives. And one preacher used to always say that whenever something is repeated again, there ought to be a gain. Mm. And so Paul is trying to get us to understand that we ought to learn something about this love relationship between Christ and the church, between a husband and a wife. He is saying that husbands should be tough, yet we should be tender. Husbands should be strong, but we should also be sensitive. We should be fierce, but we should also be friendly. And so this love that the Apostle Paul is speaking of, and we often talk about the various kinds of love, but I like the way the late Reverend Dr. A. Lewis Patterson used to define love. He used to always say that love is a minimum of emotion and a maximum of evaluation of need and the fulfillment of that need in a spirit of self-sacrifice, even when you don't feel like doing it. Now, in order to unpack all of that, that he said that love is a minimum of emotion and a maximum of of evaluation of need and the fulfillment of that need in a spirit of self-sacrifice, even when you don't feel like doing it, he simply says that whenever his children would wake up late at night, 
and he and his wife would look at each other trying to decide which one of them was going to go and see about what the child needed. He said, I didn't feel like getting up, but because of the love that I have for my child, I'm going to go and see about their need. It's not about how I feel about my wife, but actually meeting her need. And so the same love that Christ has for the church, he says that's the same kind of love that we ought to have for our spouses. So when he talks about this love, I want to suggest to us that there are four aspects to this love that the Apostle Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 5. The first aspect of that love is a sacrificial love. Now, I'm not suggesting that you and I can die for our spouses, Minister Dion, mm. because we can't do that. Right. The sacrifice that you and I make is not going to save our spouse. And any sacrifice that any other man makes is not going to save his wife. But when he talks about this sacrifice, he's saying to you and I that the love and sacrifice that we are willing to make is not about us, but rather putting their needs before our needs. God says it to us in Romans chapter five and verse eight, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But that's only because of the love that Christ and God had for his people. So he tells us three ways that we ought to love our spouses in this passage. He says that you should love her the way Christ loved the church. Christ loved the church so much so that he was willing to die for the church. He says that we should love her the way we love our own bodies. And Minister Dion, as I look at him exercising and working (laughs) out, he wants to make sure that his body looks good. And so the same passion and drive that he has for working out and the same passion and drive that we as men have for our physical bodies, that's the same passion and love that we ought to have for our wives. And then he says you ought to love your wife the way you love yourself. And I don't know any person that hates themselves. I don't know any person that dislikes themselves. So the same love that I have for myself, when I look in the mirror to make sure that my tie is on straight, when I look in the mirror to make sure that I've washed the grit and grime away from my face, that's the same love that I ought to have for my wife. So Paul says that I ought to be a sacrificial love. That word sacrifice comes from two words that really means to make sacred. Uh, sacro meaning sacred and physio means to make. So whenever we make a sacrifice, we are making that sacrifice sacred, not to ourselves, but we're making that sacrifice sacred unto the Lord. So Paul says that we ought to have a sacrificial love. But then Paul moves to say that we ought to have a sanctifying love, a cleansing love, not the cleansing on the outside, but the cleansing on the inside. What dove and dial cannot do on the inside, the blood of Jesus did for me. What ivory and Irish spring cannot do on the inside, Jesus did for me. So when we talk about this sanctifying love, this cleansing love, what is it that Paul is actually talking about? Some people make reference to him talking about baptism. But baptism is only an outward sign of an inward change. Other people say that when Paul talks about this cleansing love, he is referring to the Jewish ritual that a bride would go through before marriage. Or is it the kind of cleansing or sanctifying love that God refers to in Ezekiel chapter 16 when he talks about the marital covenant covenant between God and Israel? 
No, when he talks about this cleansing or this sanctifying, he is not talking about that that is on the outside, but rather that that's on Mm -hmm. the inside. The cleansing that takes place on the inside. And one thing I love about God is his power over nature. I never understood how God could take a black cow, allow him to eat green grass, and then he produced white milk. And then when it's turned and churned, it becomes yellow butter. But that's because (laughs) God has power over nature. He stopped at the Red Sea and parted the water and they walked through on dry ground. God has power over nature. He allowed the heat and flames in the fire furnace not to consume the three Hebrew boys because he has power over nature. He allowed the lions, even while Daniel was in the lions then, to keep their mouths closed because God has power over nature. Mm -hmm. And Jesus demonstrates that when he tells Peter go down to the sea. The first fish you catch when you pull it out of the water, open its mouth and pull out the coin and then go pay your tax and mine because he has the power over nature. But when we talk about this cleansing power that God has is not the cleansing on the outside. It's the cleansing that God needs to do on the inside. I tell my wife all the time and I ask her, are you praying for me? Are you praying for me? And her response is yes. But when I ask her to pray for me, I'm asking her not for God to do something on the outside. I'm asking her for God to do something on the inside. Because you and I know through the natural course of life, our bodies start to change on the outside Mm -hmm. and we can't really do anything about that. But what we don't what we need is not for God to do something with the outside. We need God to do something on the inside. So when a man loves a woman, it has to be a sacrificial love. It has to be a sanctifying love. But then it also has to be a satisfying love. Mm. There ought to be something that burns and churns and brings excitement and enthusiasm on the inside. Now, whether you've been married 10 years or 50 years or 10 days All of us can attest to the fact that the person that makes our heart burn, the person that gives us joy, the person that makes us excited is the same person that gets on your last nerve. There you go. But when they they get on our nerves, it's something that draws us back to them. And so he says to us that we ought to love our spouses, our wives, the way we love ourselves, the way we love our physical bodies. And he uses two words. He says that we should nourish and we should cherish. That word nourish has to do with feeding, because just like if you don't eat in the physical, you become sick, you become weak and die. The same holds true in the spiritual. If we don't feast on the word of God in the spiritual, we become weak, we become sick, and eventually we're going to die. And so when he uses this word hate, it's really the word misogyny. Mm. Messio means to hate and gene means woman. So it's the word misogyny when he says that no man hates himself. He says that just like we love our bodies, we ought to love our spouses and the same energy and effort that I put into working out, whether it be running or lifting weights or cardio or whatever it is. That's the same drive and passion that I ought to have in my relationship. There ought to be something that says to me, I can't wait to leave this studio today because I'm excited about what I have at home or what's going to meet me at home home. 
I, I tell people all the time that it makes for bad company when things are bad at home and then they're bad on the job because you mm-hmm. don't have any place of refuge. Mm-hmm. Crossfire. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I, uh, I, I said my, my great-grandmother, who now sleeps the long sleep of death, uh, and my great-grandfather always argued about what I was going to become in life. And my great-grandfather wanted <laughs> me to become a boxer, and my great-grandmother used to always say, that boy is too pretty for that. <laughs> and so I said to my wife when we got married, sweetheart, picture me being a boxer in the ring. I'm going out fighting against the world, and when the bell sounds for me to come back to my corner, I don't want you to drop the wash bucket on my head. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to hit me over the head with the stool. Okay. I want you to put some salve on my wounds. I want you to bandage up my wounds and get me ready for the next round. But if I come to my corner and the people who are supposed to be helping me and supporting me are bashing me over the head, I'm not going to be ready when I go out to fight the next round. And so Paul says that there ought to be something satisfying about this love that we have. But we can never love our spouses the way we should if we never learn to love ourselves. Mm. Now, when I talk about us loving ourselves, I'm not talking about us becoming infatuated with who we are and thinking that we have arrived. Because Jesus tells us that if any man will come after me, Luke 6, 23, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. So I know we read a lot of self-care books and we read a lot of uh, self-help books, but I have to deny myself because life is not about me. It's about God and what God desires to do on the inside of me. I said to you all before that Jesus declares that we ought to be the light of the world. But instead of being the light of the world, a lot of people want to be the spotlight. They have to be the center of attention. <laughs> they are Christmas lights. They only come out during their season or their flashlights. They only turn off and on when they get ready. But there ought to be something that says, I want to do something not about me, but I want to do it for the glory of God. Yeah. Now, I know many people will say that my religion is private. My relationship with God is personal. And I would agree with you. Your religion is private and your relationship with God is personal. But Jesus says it's also public. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the father who is in heaven. And if I don't shine my light in public, people will never know what God is doing on the inside of me. So Paul says that there ought to be a sacrificial love. He says that there ought to be a sanctifying love. There ought to be a satisfying love. But then Paul closes finally by saying that there should be a sustaining love. Mm. There ought to be something that will carry us through when we go through those rough patches, when we go through those hard times, when we go through those difficult times. There ought to be some hope that we can hold on to. When I was a student at Sam Houston State University, all of my classes revolved around the stories. The Young and the Restless, All My Children, and Days of Our Lives. But you all will recall during the Days of Our Lives, there were two characters, one by the name of Brady and another one by the name of Hope. Brad, I'm excuse me, Brad and, and Hope. Brad became ill once and he was in the hospital and they didn't know whether or not he was going to make it. And during the course, you know, it's just television. They would play scenes that had happened on previous episodes. But there was a scene when he wanted to leave. He was desiring to go. He wanted to, in essence, die. 
But he started reminiscing about all the time that he had spent with hope and how hope had brought him through. And then toward the end of that episode, he finally opened his eyes and he saw hope. And the doctor asked him, why didn't you give up? And he said, hope brought me through. Mm -hmm. And so when we have those rough patches in life, when we have those struggles in life, there ought to be the hope, that love that carries us safely through. The story is told of Robert McCulkin. And Robert McCulkin was the president of Columbia Bible Seminary. He retired abruptly in 1990, and people didn't understand why. His wife had developed uh, dementia and Alzheimer's, and he received a lot of press because of his abrupt retirement, and people didn't understand why. And finally, he asked one of his colleagues, why is there this big discussion and debate about me retiring? And he said, we've always heard of women standing by their man, but rarely do we hear about a man standing by his woman. And he retired because he said that was the least he could do because of all that his wife had done in terms of supporting him. And I say to men today, because of the support that we receive from our spouses and the love that they give us, we in turn ought to be able to give them that same love and support. They follow us. They help us fulfill our dreams. And we ought to follow and support and help them pursue their dreams. So if there's anything I can say to the men today. And that is our love for our wives ought to be exemplified, ought to be the same example that the love that Christ had for the church. Thank you all for allowing me to share with you. Amen. Amen. And that's a that's a mighty and that's a beautiful and bold word. And I always uh, look at that that particular verse in Scripture and I always just question, like, you know, why? Does God tell men to love the wives, but never once did he tell a wife to love her husband? And I began to realize that God set us as the beacon and the light and the example of love. Because when you give something to a woman, when you give a seed to a woman, she's going to turn around in nine months and give you life and a child. And so if you can plant that seed of love in that woman, she can turn around and give you something so amazing. And so that's a beautiful word, and I, I receive of that, and I hope our listeners do also. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. I said with my family, I'm sorry. Today. No worries. I shared with my family just the other day that you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Repeat that, Pastor. You can give without loving, mm-hmm. but you can't love without giving. Isn't that something? That's mm. beautiful. That's, that's beautiful. say life. <laughs> that marinade family we just love you guys thank you guys for tuning in today and every day pastor bell has finished his assignment on the uh, calling of all men he's covered a lot of things and if you missed any any other um messages just go back to the one voice i speak light podcast program and subscribe and share the uh, podcast that supports the ministry and we just thank Pastor DeAndre K. Bell for coming and extending himself the entire month of July with us. That's so amazing, so awesome. Of course, uh, whenever the doors of opportunity are here for him to come back, we want him to have have him back. Uh, We just thank you guys for your support. We thank you for your love. We thank you for all the things that you allow us to to speak into your life. I mean, we all on this journey together, you know, and we better together. So we want to encourage you guys to keep 
stand and keep fighting, continue in the faith, and know that love is greater than death, and love is more powerful, and perfect love casts out our fear. Miss Dion's going to close us in prayer. We bless you, you guys. We encourage you guys to keep fighting. We never want to close our program without an opportunity to receive of such salvation. And if you are ready to receive a salvation, I know a lot of what we're talking about is a lot to digest, but the spirit is with us and in us and mm-hmm. is readily made available to us by the blood. So if you repeat after me, Lord, I am a sinner in need of a savior. I believe you hung, bled and died in my place. You, the son of God, then rose and is now seated at the right hand of the father. Lord Jesus, you are welcomed. In this place of my heart, may your spirit never depart. Receive me as I receive you this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen and amen. amen. If you have just received of salvation, heaven is rejoicing. We here at Disciple Pathways are rejoicing. We love you. And until next time, family, one, one voice, voice, I speak life. Thanks for listening to Disciples Pathway Ministries with Minister Robbie E. Lilly. Thanks for your prayers and for your gifts to His great work of God. For booking and requests for services, look up Disciples Pathway Ministries on Facebook. That's Disciples Pathway Ministries on Facebook.